from the parking lot. To the tunnel. Check it out. Have fun. Unleash. Let's go. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your field pass with DCI's Dan Potter. This is your field pass for Friday, June 16th, 2017. And coming up. This is an unpredictable season. But nothing is as unpredictable as DCI Artistic Director Michael Cesario. Holy cow, they are serious. Yeah, we're serious. The 2017 season steps off in six days, and you're going to need a field pass. I want to sneak into a rehearsal of that, baby. Once again this year, Michael and I are back to give you the scoop on the world-class shows of the coming season. And if for some reason you don't like what we have to say... No matter how awful it gets. Well, Michael splurged and got us something nice. There's color guard and bunny suits. Look out, Summer. Here we come. This is your field pass. Here's Dan Potter. Talk about a wild guy with a great imagination. To me, the best part of any journey, and I love to travel, so it's all good, but to me, the best part is actually that moment just before the journey begins. The the days, the hours, the minutes that are filled with anticipation, with excitement, the last-minute plans, the preparation, all of that going on while your mind is imagining what it's going to be like, how cool it's going to be to get there, to get to where you're going, and the adventures that you'll have. Doesn't that pretty fairly sum up the way a drum corps fan, or for that matter, a drum corps member feels in the last days before a season begins? Of course, for the member, it happens in the days leading up to spring training, For the fan, it's happening right now, inside a week, until we get our first taste of what the cores are bringing to the field this year. I get that feeling every year, and so does DCI Artistic Director Michael Cesario. But, as I mentioned in an earlier field pass, I have never seen Michael this excited right before a season. So I've really been looking forward to our annual preseason preview chat. As always, Michael and I will work our way up the top 12 from last year, and hopefully we let you know at least a little something that you didn't know about each of the core shows this year. I think that you're seeing a true renaissance of drum corps. There's more of them, and they're better. As we got close to the top 12 in semifinals last year, Madison was just like two-tenths behind Boston in 13th place. And Madison scouts, of course, always threatening for top 12 or better. You don't say no to them very easily. And so they have uh, brewed up a show for us this year, uh, Last Man Standing, that is, I have to say, I, they've let me in, as all the cores do, let me in on the little secrets, and I have seen the uniform, and it is nothing short. I didn't do it. It's Chad Dugan at his finest. It is just, if you can look at that and not go, holy cow, they are serious, um, then uh, maybe uh, maybe you need to set out the season because they're really, uh, really going for blood. And I think that the show itself suits them well. The sound of the title, can there be a more Madison-esque name for a show than The Last Man Standing? It's perfect for them. And it's kind of a post-apocalyptic show, which sounds kind of heavy. And and I got to tell you, there's heavy moments uh, out, of, uh, uh, out of several of those uh, pieces. It's not like uh, a jolly good time is had by all. But there still is that, what I would call the, Mad- the Madison swagger but I think when you hear the music for Prague, which is where their closer is called The Battle Within, 
but it's from the music for Prague 1968, which is a Carol Husa piece. And, and I got to tell you, that is one of the most moving, gripping pieces ever. I, I want to sneak into a rehearsal of that baby. Boston Crusaders finished 12th in 2016. This year, their show is called Wicked Games. I wish I could say it with a Southie accent because that's what it really demands. <laughs> but Wicked Games. I can't either. We need Tony DiCarlo uh, to say it. Tony! Tony DiCarlo! <laughs> um, I think that here's a show that when you get, and again, here's Sissy and Sweet and so on, but I think that what we have is an innocence and a purity and a simplicity as uh, young people are getting together to play in the woods, whatever. I, I think there's a little bit of uh, of uh, fun and gamesmanship and innocence, and then that is misinterpreted by the community as a whole, and it becomes um, – uh, pretty strong. I mean, it's a witch hunt. It, it is essentially the Salem witch hunts. Yeah. And that's a show within a show, really. So I think that there's a lot of elements. Now, remember, we've got Keith Potter over there, along with uh, Colin McNutt. I mean, there's some great folks that have uh, left the places where they've been for the last few years and signed on with uh, Crusaders to give them something unique, something different, something new. And uh, as they find their way to working together, it turns out they're working great. It's going to be dynamite. So I'm looking forward to that show. It's going to be um, different for the Crusaders and different for the folks that are putting the show together. Last year's 11th place, the Academy, their first time in the top 12 in 2016. And this time they're chasing rabbits. The show is called By a Hair. They've got new uniforms that are dynamite and really just hit this perfectly. We all know some of the great Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd hunting scenes, and this captures the joy of them. It doesn't necessarily duplicate them, but captures the joy and the fun and the adventure of those. Uh, you have to remember this is the core. Uh, everybody liked, uh, you know, uh, somebody, uh, you know, big uh, Blue Cards fan or big Blue Devils fan, and then this was everybody's second place. Well, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to bring up with the Academy. Are they filling the same kind of niche, the the same part of drum corps personality that Velvet Knights used to, that Bridgman used to? Not necessarily that they're the clown princes of drum corps, but they're fun with a capital F, a capital U, and a capital N. I think, I think you're right on point. I think they fill this without resorting to, I don't know, somebody dressed up like the judge that gets bouncing around or something like that. Yeah. It's not sticky. And the reason is, is that this is not that time contextually they are appropriate for the time and uh, the sophistication of drum corps today, but they're going to give us a bit of the humor and a bit of the fun. And you know, the the Barbara Seville, I mean, that's hard stuff. And, and, and of course it's funny to think of that in the same uh, in the same show as the Hungarian Rhapsody and the Anvil Chorus. I mean, it's really just a mashup of great classical tunes that have been used in the cartoons. So your guess is as good as mine, but I'd say when you see the red coats and the whites of their eyes, uh, don't shoot, take a good watch, because uh, the gir- <laughs> there's color guard in bunny suits and color guard in uh, 
hunter outfits. So I, I, and the whole course in kind of riding togs, it's a lot of fun. I, the thing is, is they finally got people to take them seriously by oddly enough doing something that has a lighter flavor. I love that. You know what? In fact, let's explore that for just a second. How are you feeling about audience engagement these days? Well, I think we've hit it better. I, I think that audience engagement is one of those things that I think we predicted, which is some audience likes core A, some audience likes core B. The idea is if you're not in love with what you're seeing, hang on nine minutes because there's somebody else coming out who's, whose idea you may love. I think the audience has been responding to the point where they expect a good time. They expect an audience-friendly show that elevates them as they leave the stadium, but at the same time has maybe given them a couple of things to think about. And our audience is growing, as you know, by leaps and bounds. And I think it's people who said, let's give this another chance. And uh, lo and behold, they come home and say, I'll be darned, those cores were unbelievable. And there's something to like about every group. It occurs to me Academy's leading us down a rabbit hole here, but that, that's fine. I've got one more question in that regard. You brought up, you brought up fan uh, arguments, and and that you know fans love to uh, prefer this core over that core, and you know have discussions about it. That, in my mind, was hampered a little bit by not being able to see recaps after every show. Are we going to be able to see? Yeah, was that the dumbest thing we ever did? Yeah, it was kind of like not being able to see the box score in baseball the morning after the game. You know, right? What did that prove? And, of course, there were leaks all over the place, and uh, uh, this thing had more leaks than the White House. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that we have – we're back to what we love to do, which is just share all the information. I've always been for uh, transparency, and it's one of the things that I swore we would do. And uh, in the course of last year, there were some good – they were trying to control – uh, people maybe judges reading and copying a score. And it turned out even when they couldn't, this, there was similarities in the scoring and there were differences where there's differences. It turns out it's not predictable and it isn't due to the fact that the scores were published. I'm just happy that the fans are going to be happy with scores that they can compare and recompare. I mean, they do this, um, the, they know the two-tenths and the one-tenth and the half-tenth better than I do. Uh, they really, uh, you know, I mean, and I get to listen to the judges' tapes when the cores get them. I mean, I'm really, I, I may be home in Florida, but I'm listening to drum corps tapes at, at uh, one in the morning. And uh, so I get to hear what the judges say, and I think it's only fair that everybody knows how they backed up what they said with their score. All right, let's, let, let's climb out of the rabbit hole and move on. Last year's number 10, Crossman. This year, their show is called Enigma. I haven't been so excited about a Crossman show in years. They've got a bit of a new visual team going on, original music from Andrew Markworth. And they have a big, expansive sound, a big drill. They're really out there this year. So, I mean, they're taking chances. That wonderful color guard is back in, in spades. I think this is going to be a year where they can really stake a claim. Blue Stars finished ninth in 2016. In 2017, Michael, they're fielding a show called Star Crossed. Well, you know, it's interesting how the same story 
can be told over and over again in different ways. Boy meets girl. Well, and good and bad things happen. In the hands of Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet seems completely different than in the hands of a modern writer. Let me just say that they've got almost a time travel feel to this show. And yet the music is very touching and odd, odd choices, choices that are very distinctive. So you have to hold on and, and listen for how the story and see how the story is told over and over and over again. Really going to be very, very moving, uh, moving show. I'm thinking this is a really exciting, interesting show from the Blue Stars. Well, we've seen Phantom Regiment's new costume, uniform. You know what? What, what word are you using these days, Michael Cesario? Are you calling it a uniform or a costume? Well, it depends on what it does. What the Corps is wearing with Phantom is a uniform in the sense that it's made to look like their uniform. We, you know, try to make the kids look uniform. Um, and yet it has to have the character um, really is <clears throat> after what uh, their new artistic director was Cartwright uh, was looking for. So mm-hmm. it wasn't so much Mike Cesario coming up with something from the blue, but rather trying to capture what it was that sure. West did. Remember, costumes are something that show character, reveal something about the wearer that tells us something about the role they're playing. And that's what a costume does. So our best uniforms are, in fact, and have always been costumes. Um, You know, we're not. uh, West Cartwright may be inventive and brand new and killer, but he's not getting rid of the helmet. You know, that's not going away now. How can he put it into the show? Uh, I'll let you see how he does that. But I will say that the helmet and a vision of the Phantom Regiment and the shadow of the Phantom Regiment and a kind of projection of the Phantom Regiment into the future is where he's at. And he's had such success in other venues in WGI and uh, BOA that I'm just delighted to see him coming back to drum corps uh, after several years of absence of doing drum corps, that he's back to drum corps. And I think brilliant of Phantom to get him. So I think that the regiment's going to surprise us with Phantasm, the name of their show. And what I've seen and heard of it, uh, I'm, I'm knocked out. Will Pitts has done a great job uh, with uh, some of the music and it's, Phantom kind of music, the kind of stuff you want to hear them play. I cannot wait to see what Wes does in drum corps now. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it really is welcome back to DCI, Wes. And and um, he has, you know, a certain style that blends perfectly with regiment. So I think <laughs> I'm just excited to see what he does. It, it's always... It's always a treat, and uh, it may have nothing to do with their placement, but it may have everything to do with us uh, going uh, crazy and yeah. and cheering. And I will tell you, there's three or four moments in there that are just outright effect-laden. So um, this this will be a good one. This is going to be if you're delightful. new if you're new to drum pour, uh, find the 1989 Santa Clara show which has been voted a couple of times the fan favorite show of all time. Now, I, that, right. I haven't had that vote for several years, 
but it it's the reigning champion show of all time if you want to see what Wes Cartwright did in a previous lifetime in drum corps. All right, on to the Blue Knights. Last year's number seven. This year, the show is called I, which is represented by the lowercase letter I, but also in their graphic is inside the iris of an eyeball. So, you know, several ways they could go there. I am taking this <laughs> to be more than just observation, but rather looking within. This is something that they've kind of been known for for the last couple of years. I think they're taking it to a new level. Um, you know, when I talk to them, they're very secure in the sense that it's going, it's going someplace exciting, but it's going in their own distinctive way. This is not a core that you can copy. They don't do anything the way other people do it. And so everything about it is um, unique. Everything about it is always on the edge. And, uh, they, uh, I, I like it because it, it's like great modern art, you know. Great modern art lets you fill in the rest. And this is, I think, their strength is they don't put every, uh, they don't cross every T. They don't dot every I. They don't even bother spelling it, you know. They, they get in there and they go, cool, huh? And go, yeah, I loved how the girl fell in love with the, oh, and somebody next to you goes, what girl? What fell in love? What are you talking about? And what they've done has been able, like uh, some of the great painters, to have you fill in between the dots to make it meaningful to you. I hear what you did there with fill in the dots. This is Blue Nights we're talking about, after all. Well, with the dots, yes. Yes. Last year's number six was the Cadets. This year, their show, Falling Back on Lenny Bernstein, The Faithful, The Fallen, The Forgiven. Bernstein is their stock and trade. Just like we want to hear Sibelius or Rachmaninoff from Phantom Regiment, we want to cadets play Bernstein. And this is one of their kind of signature trademark pieces. They visited it in 83. They did it again a few years later, bits of it. And now they are really, now we can, in fact, uh, do things from that theatrical Bernstein score that we could not before. Uh, George Hopkins, the director, has really knocked himself out to be able to go to the uh, folks that control the Bernstein estate to get special permission to do this. Um, they've had to prove how serious they are about bringing this to the field. And, uh, and the idea, the mass, is about those three things, the faithful, the fallen, and the forgiven. And the idea that no matter how awful it gets, there is a way to get out of it and be forgiven. And I think, I think whatever, the re whatever the response is at the end, when no matter how dark it's gotten, there is that ray of uh, faith and hope. I think that's, good. That's, a, that's right up their alley. Are you kidding me? That's the cadets. And they have some new people. Uh, writing Drew Shanefield is writing music. He's a terrific writer. And so I think that, and Tom Onk's doing the drums. Uh, I, I, I gotta say, this is not your father's mass. Let's just put it that way. And I think they could be a big surprise this year. What can you, uh, if anything, tell us about the uniforms with the cadets? Are they back in black this year? Or are they back in? Uh, oh, no, and gold? no, 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 no. They have got a thematic uniform. 
that is very much, and I don't know how to say this without giving away the dirt, but there's maroon about the place. There are cadet-style things, but the, the piece itself that they're wearing comes away at different moments to reveal different aspects of the character and the personality. And that's all the way down to the redemption at the end. So I, I think uh, they've got some beautiful, beautiful new suits and uh, really well-made, just very, very exciting. And, and when you see them, it's the cadets, but it isn't the cadets. So I think they found a way to make sure uh, you know exactly who they are. You're seeing the identity of the cadets, and yet at the same time, you're seeing the character of the program itself the uh, supplicant that is trying to make his way through the uh, edges of faith. It's a a deep subject, and they're going to tackle this thing. I wish them luck. Yeah, good luck with the alumni and and uniforms. Well, the uniform, I think, is going to be okay for the alumni. Do you really? Um, And I think, and as the program coordinator, when they first played the mass. (laughs) I know how much so many of those people love that piece. Okay. So I think this might be a handout to them and a real, uh, a real light in the corner after a couple of years of, let's try this, let's try that. I think they found the stroke that makes um, the, the, what you want from the cadets to be there. Remember, there is a level of expectation from all of us. And sometimes it's unfair but it, it exists nonetheless. And so uh, this is a good time for them to, uh, to show us the innovative ideas that they can bring to bear while still keeping uh, tradition alive. I, I think that you're going to find they're going to do something really, uh, really smart with this. You know, I don't know how you feel about doing this show with me every year, but I get so stoked talking to you, Michael. I, I mean, now I, I had no idea I was this excited about the Cadets show, but <laughs> truthfully, now I really, really am. The Cavaliers were fifth last year, and uh, we said earlier that Madison Scouts uh, show title, The Last Man Standing, is about as Madison-esque as you can get. I think you could say the same thing for the Cavaliers. Men are from Mars. What a great show title for them. Talk about a wild guy with a great imagination. Danny Wiles, who's the visual program coordinator of the whole thing, has got, I mean, if you thought that they tried to push their very strong brand into corners that it had not been pushed into last year, wait till you see this year. They are, they are from another planet. It examines communication among men about the brotherhood of men, but also about how men can really screw stuff up and talk about a subject we don't normally hit upon uh, uh, in drum corps. Here's one of them. And I, I'm, they'll have all fancy names for everything. And I, and I know they do. And I, I, I hate to, you know, screw around with what their points are, but we are, going to hear Mars. Mars and, and the Cavaliers are synonymous. And how that drives different pieces, including an ironic my way. And um, it's not just a guys will be guys kind of show. 
It's what is it in a man that causes him to go to war? What is it in a man that causes him to make peace? What is it in a man that causes him to to reach out? And that's some heavy-duty stuff for a drop course show to to explore. And uh, if you're predicting stuff, I'd be very careful where you put the Cavaliers. Let's not presume anything. And I think one of the things I told the judges is – just because this guy's now here and that teacher's now there and that woman's now here and, um, and these people have a great reputation and this core we've always loved and I'll just judge what's on the field. Well, speaking of returns to drum corps, Santa Clara Vanguard, last year's number four, welcoming back as creative director, Michael Gaines, who's been off Oh, in Japan and uh, all over the world in the uh, Color Guard and Band activity, but has taken a break from drum corps. Now back with Santa Clara doing a show that, Michael, I'll let you say. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ouroboros. Everybody knows what the Ouroboros is. It's just we never know the name of it. And that's the, the snake that chases its tail. And it's so in the process makes a perfect circle. And it goes back to the Greeks. Uh, it's a symbol of renewal and revitalization. Sure, Michael Gaines is going to have an impact. But it, it, it's exciting because I got to talk to Scott Coder, who's the program coordinator. Pete Weber is still at the wheel uh, with the drill. And we have J.D. Shaw on the uh, horn front. And, of course, Paul Rennick. Uh, doing the wonderful question stuff he does. So all those writers are on board. I'm not going to say Michael's the frosting on the cake. What I'm going to say is that he gives a new sense of structure to the whole thing. Scott is just really excited about this show. And it's because, remember, it's their 50th anniversary. And the natural order of things is to play, you know, uh, some old-time uh, piece a best of and show. Where the, yeah, and it's only good for the twenty people who saw them in 1974. Then um, bring back the skirts and have the funny hats and the you know roll the hoops and all of that kind of stuff. I don't think a lot of that is going on in this show, which doesn't mean we may not see some. But they really are looking ahead, and I think our best vanguards have always been the ones that set the pace and set the new tone for whatever the era was going to be, uh, including fanfare for a new era. Um, I think that um, this is, if there's anything that it's a return to, it's a return to them saying, no, 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 we lead. No, 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 we set the pace. And here's how we're going to do it. Let us show you. And uh, so the, the music is not treacly and, sad old tales of the olden times, but rather how do we renew and revitalize the famous Santa Clara brand? And at 50, it's the perfect time to do it. I I think we're in for a surprise. Carolina Crown, the show is called It Is, and they've been teasing it by saying, and I'm going to get the words wrong here, but it is compelling. It is exciting. It It is, is the show. Uh, what do you know about what Carolina Crown's bringing to the field this year. Once again, uh, here's a core with a new visual team. And I think they decided they needed to take it in a, a new visual direction. And I think they're being really exciting about it. I don't think, 
you know, here's another court with a brand new uniform. Um, but um, I think it isn't going to look like uh, they drop, you know, dropped from the planet Mars. I think what it is is that we're seeing of the sophisticated look that they had. Color guard does look um, quite different. But I think what's exciting about Carolina Crown is really their commitment to deconstructing a drum course show and finding a way to take everything from the music to the field. Uh, and I mean literally the field and taking it apart and using it in different ways, finding other ways of speaking the language of pageantry. That sounds fairly high toned, but it is. And, and they're doing it. So I think that it's not what we're expecting, except of course that that horn line will be, you know, second to none. They're just miraculous and they're not going to, you know, they're not sitting back and going, well, somebody thought somebody else was better. So let's just sit back. They are uh, ready to, you know, capture that throne anytime anybody wants to look their way. But I also think that the choices of music are different and it's, and it's Michael Klesch. Uh, you know, we forget, you know, one, one of his first nationals in 1985. So this guy's been around the block and knows what works and knows how to make a show sound, but partnered with different visual people. So that makes for, I think, a different event. I've heard bits. I've seen bits. I know what the costumes do. And I just can't wait to see the whole thing put together. It's a departure for them, truly, and it is, I guess, reflective of the new staff that they have because Crown, we're used to kind of seeing a, a plot line, a through line in the show where there's a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. This being about deconstruction and being called, you know, the vague name of it is, well, it, it can be anything, I suppose. Uh, right. It doesn't sound like there's a story there. So that, that's one big change for Carolina Crown. It's a huge change for them. And while there's a narrative sensibility, you move from one uh, emotion and intellectual reaction to the next. It isn't like there's no development. It's that it isn't about little Susie going to the woods and meeting at grandmother's house. It's, uh, it's a lot more linear than that. And at the same time, a lot less narrative than that. Okay. I'm intrigued. And I'm intrigued by the Blue Devils as well, last year's second. And as I pointed out in a previous field pass this year, there's, what, 0.5 between third and first last year. Blue Devils right. were in second. Uh, this year their show is called Metamorph. It's their 60th anniversary. There is some looking back. There is some uh, invention in terms of being able to say, how does something change? Over the years, what happens to it? Did we see it right the first time? I think this is one of the questions that I asked is in their re-envisioning of what something looked like a long time ago. Is our memory of it right or is this right? And the answer is, of course, they're both right. So I think that what you're going to see is a bit of a, can I say, a hallucinogenic past? I, I don't know how else to say it except... You see that it's the past, but it sure ain't the past. But it only leads you to not only today, but they really have attempted to say, here's what the core of tomorrow looks like and sounds like. And by the time they hit 
this last uh, piece that they're doing called Crystal, there is, uh, you know, they, they play Everything Must Change, which is, of course, a perfect song for them to play. And then this Crystal, they are out there. It is the wildest thing. Do not leave the stadium if the Blue Devils are coming in. Blue Coats squeaking out a win over Blue Devils, their first gold medal last year. So as we've talked several times, you and I, about the obligation of a champion, uh, they have not released their show concept or title yet. They have released their music. Uh, I hadn't ever heard of Thank You Scientist before, but I have been a fan since the second I heard Psycho Pop. Uh, me too. Wow, me is too. that good stuff. It is really good stuff. And, it's you know, you hear it and you go, That'd make for great drum corps. Yeah, and I, they're they're being very careful. They they are smart enough to uh, you know these are not kids. Chad <laughs> Vandekoff is not a child. You know, these are people who really know their craft, and um, you get a couple of them going on something, and they can ride that idea out to the nth degree. These are people who have been knocking on the door for several years, finally uh, got that, that win, and now are determined to do two things, which is, and, and I think the Blue Devils have done this for many years as well, uh, cadets did it for a while, you know, is the obligation of the champion is to change the face of the activity. Because it used to be that the assumption was you would never win again. You certainly wouldn't win the next year. So you need to do things that give everybody an option of going, holy cow, what will we do then? Now what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to that? And, of course, the Blue Devils are so inventive, but the Blue Coats come to us with this kind of amazement and this kind of uh, a wonderful threshold of discovery that we don't normally feel at a drum corps show. And the thrill of it is what makes it so – we get giddy at these things. Now, mind you, they start bringing out 10-foot ramps, and you go, okay, what are they going to do? But the fact that they were able to turn it into a show that people loved as well as a show that people admired. And uh, I, the minute uh, uh, Dean Westman – I said, come on, tell me what's going on here. And he said, well, you know – you know a band named Thank You Scientist? I was like, yeah. And uh, I started listening, and it's so darn infectious that without being easy, it's not some cutesy pie stuff. It's reminiscent of 70s progressive rock in a lot of ways, and, and it almost sounds like early Rush to me in its diversity and its ability to change between fields. It, it absolutely changes between fields. I do think it has a retro feel to it, a 70s feel to it. I think they're going to be delightful. I don't know how we're going to pick 12th. I don't know how we're going to pick 4th. I don't know how we're going to pick 1st. I don't know, but I'll tell you, strap in. You know, I say this every year, and this is my last year as artistic director, so I get to say it one more time. This is going to be the best year you have ever seen and heard. If you've got an opportunity to go to show, this is the year to do it. Um, because 
go to the movie theater to see the early preview. Go see local shows because they're all going to have somebody juicy in them, uh, you know, really delivering the goods. And this is a year in which I think all of them are ready to do the deed. I don't know who will make what spot, which rarely I, you know, normally I go, well, put your money over. I think it's this one, or I'd be surprised if it isn't that one. Boy, I am stumped. It is every piece of music I've heard is something kind of fragile, but something, you know, in order to make it work, they're going to have to really piece it together carefully. But by the same token, every piece of music I've heard is absolutely perfect for drum corps. So everybody's doing a better job. And we're, it's fun to see some of these jobs juggle around. This one's here and that one's there. And this one's return, you know, the return of a, a Michael Gaines or a Wes Cartwright. These are the kinds of things that we love and expect in drum corps, which is that we have, uh, we can't predict. And so this is going to be, un, this is an unpredictable season, except for one thing, the cores are going to be great. The one and only DCI Artistic Director, Michael Cesario. The 2017 Drum Corps International season steps off this coming Thursday, June 22nd. The DCI Tour premiere brings the Crossmen, Blue Stars, the Cadets, Cavaliers, Carolina Crown, and the Bluecoats to Lucas Oil Stadium. Get your tickets now at DCI.org. And don't forget, well, in fact, let's let Tom Blair remind you while I go pop some popcorn. Six of the top drum corps kick off the competition on the road to the DCI World Championship Finals, the 2017 Drum Corps International Tour Premiere. Live from Indianapolis, it's Marching Music's Major League in a live one-night event, June 22nd, in select cinemas nationwide. Tickets on sale now at fathomevents.com. I'll be in Indy for the premiere, and we'll get a brand new field pass from there as soon as I possibly can when I get back. Thanks to Michael Cesario for again giving us a sense of the excitement in store for us in the coming season. The field pass theme music is composed by Mark Higginbotham. I'm Dan Potter, countdown to step off six days, and I will see you at the stadium.